2: You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? leagues. Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening
3: to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast.
2: Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, we are back. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Sadiqi. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. Welcome, welcome. It is time to talk about the NFC South and all of their teams and all of the players in that division. Everyone fantasy relevant, relevant will be hitting on uh, to see whether we're targeting them, avoiding them. What we're doing with these players in drafts. Uh, we've went over every other division so far except the NFC South, which we're doing today. We're doing the AFC South tomorrow. And we are done with our division previews. So make sure to go check out all of the division previews we've done. Uh, we've basically hit on every player. So if you're wondering yeah. how we feel about a certain player uh, and the analysis behind it, make sure to check out all the other podcasts that we've done over the last couple of weeks for you know any particular player that you might be interested in. Um, Zach, how's it going, man? How you doing? Um, you know, we have... The offseason is pretty much kicking off at this point. Like yeah. it's draft season at this point. Like I hope you are ripping off mock drafts. I hope you're ripping off some uh some underdog drafts as well because it's time. It's time to get yeah. prepared for your fantasy football leagues. It's official. It's June. It's the middle of June. If you're not doing mocks, if you're not playing an underdog, what are you doing? exactly
3: and, and if you're not doing underdog if you're not doing dynasty if you're not doing something with fantasy football that's what it is i mean it is very close we can almost taste it i saw a post somewhere i forget i think it was in the one email i got you know i just got an email from one of my friends and he said there's eight weeks until football's back i'm like dude when we put it in that perspective like i mean granted it'll be preseason, but by then football's back you know we're in full swing for fantasy it- that that's that's what we're doing so yeah I'm, I'm all in. We're not far away. And, you know, the draft is now in the rear view. We're not closer. I think we're probably equidistant from the draft as we are to the start of the preseason right now. So it's only going to continue to ramp up from here. So I'm totally excited for that. But going over this NFC South division, like, I don't know if it felt this way for you, for us, but it was tough. <laughs> like there's not a whole lot of players I'm really bullish on here. And if I am bullish on them, you know, it's like they're obvious targets. It's really obscure here a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who we're targeting, who you're targeting and avoiding on uh, this episode.
2: This is definitely the worst division in football. Uh, yeah. I would say <laughs> just overall, it's going to be interesting to see like who ends up actually winning this division. I guess my bet would be in the saints. You know, to win the division, maybe the Saints, maybe you know the Falcons could be a dark horse too. That's uh, you know, saying, yeah, yeah uh, but but we'll see how that goes. But first, before we get into this this division, let's go over a few player notes. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster apparently still dealing with uh, a knee injury right now. Um, he hasn't been participating in OTA so far. Um, but one thing to note is that Bill O'Brien has been running a lot of two tight end sets, which makes sense, right? They just they signed Mike Gesicki did they trade for Mike Gesicki or did they sign him no he was a free agent so they signed him yeah, right they so signed him. Um, they have him they have Hunter Henry so they've been running a lot of two tight end set, sets at OTAs which makes sense you know Gronk and Aaron Hernandez were what were his two tight ends when he was part of the Patriots and the play caller for the Patriots you know several years ago so that that's something to look out for as you know tight ends who could potentially you know be somewhat fantasy fantasy relevant if I'm picking one it's definitely going to be Mike Gesicki you know, someone who's more explosive, you know, kind of looks a lot more like a wide receiver than a tight end. Um, So somebody to look out for there, someone who's definitely going to be running more routes than Hunter Henry uh, on a weekly basis. So keep an eye out for him. Uh, And then, you know, it'll likely be Juju and maybe Devontae Parker, you know, as the primary two wide receivers, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting situation because I, there's there's Tyquan Thornton who's also was a second round pick last year. Apparently, Bill O'Brien's really trying to you know use him in this offense as that you know that speed element. Is he going right. to get enough volume to be fantasy relevant? Who knows. So there's a lot in this offense that is going to be new to us. You know, Mac Jones could potentially make a little bit of a bounce back here, but he doesn't really have an amazing you know wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. You know, this amazing like you know all these amazing weapons and stuff, but he could be. Uh, a manageable NFL quarterback. I'm not sure if he'll be manageable for fantasy, though. Yeah. Um, let's see. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, making his visits around, you know, different places. Obviously, he has the Bill O'Brien connection as well from his days in Houston. Um, you know, Tennessee was another uh, visit that he made. We'll see what he ends up doing. You know, I talked about Stefan Diggs yesterday not making it to OTAs. He was there, you know, earlier in the day. Uh, but it, this is a mandatory uh practice that they had yesterday. He did not show up for the practice. Sean McDermott, his head coach, called it very concerning, but you know, he was there in the building earlier that day, right? So yeah. it's like very concerning, sounds to me. This is like a Stefan Diggs okay, like physically. Um, and he's fine, like this doesn't seem like a contract dispute because he's making a, a ton of money. He's like still one of the highest paid wide receivers uh, over the next. Over you know this season and right. next season, so you know I, it seems like Josh Allen came out and said a little bit to that, saying that like you know he wants the ball more yeah. <laughs> and things and, and and things to that. You know uh, basically, yeah. just, I, it seems like a little bit of a mini protest by Stefan yeah. Diggs, and it, it we don't know whether he's back yet in practice because uh, it's twelve thirty Eastern time. And I think the earliest we'll find out about that is after practice, which is around 2, 2.30 Eastern time. But my guess would be that he's back in the building.
3: Yeah, I'm not paying any, you know, I'm not going to go out there and say that Stefan Diggs is going to be moved. I was doing a little speculation, you know, on the <laughs> Cowboys page yesterday, just throwing some numbers out there. You know, the contract number that he has for the season just, you know, coincidentally matches up to exactly pretty much what Dallas has in space. I'm just going to leave it at that. But I'm not expecting anything with Stefan Diggs. He just restructured his contract. He has a huge signing bonus. It would be a massive cap casualty for the Bills if they would try and move him anywhere. Not only do I not see that happening, but as far as I'm concerned, last season, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs were like best buds. you know. And Stefan Diggs, if if I'm Stefan Diggs, I'm trying to stay as closely tied to Josh Allen as I can, just the way that he's playing. I don't want to go somewhere else where so I might have questions about my quarterback. The Bills are a good in a good spot to contend. He's in a perfectly fine situation. It's just a really weird situation because there were so many different conflicting reports coming out yesterday morning. Like, oh, he's in the building, but he's not practicing that kind of thing, like you said. And it's just really confusing. I went along with the speculation just because I could. It's but fun. I'm not expecting it's fun. It, it is fun. It is fun. But um, I'm not expecting him to be moved or anything at all. I, like you said, I'm in agreement. I do think we see him at practice today.
2: Uh, a couple of injury concerns. One is Hollywood Brown. Uh, dealing with uh, a foot issue. He was held out for quote-unquote precautionary reasons. Um, you know, this is something to note because Hollywood has had foot issues in the past, so it's something to be a little bit concerned about, monitor that. Also Rashad Bateman, you know, he had the Liz Frank surgery very recently. I think it was like six months ago, so he's still dealing with that. He just had to have an injection recently, which appears to be because, you know, something isn't healing quite as right. And we talked about this already with Rashad Bateman. You know, he would be my wide receiver one for the Ravens going into this season. But because of the foot issue and now this, you know, I'm starting to lean towards someone like Zay Flowers if I had to pick a wide receiver one for Lamar Jackson for this particular season.
3: Yeah, Zay Flowers is my guy for the Ravens this season, regardless of how Rashad Bateman shakes out with that injury. Um, That just, you know, kind of makes me feel better about my pick. Obviously, I want to see Rashad Bateman healthy and playing. But I think that, you know, there's going to be enough weapons regardless. If Rashad Bateman doesn't play, I'm not worried about Lamar. I don't think that changes anything for me. He has enough weapons now. Odell and Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews is still there. This is a drastically improved supporting cast for Lamar Jackson this season compared to last season. So if one of them takes a little bit of time getting up to speed, coming back from an injury, it's not going to make a difference for me. I think that the projections for the offense stay relatively the same. We're just going to be missing maybe Rashad Bateman's upside for a couple weeks if this does prove to be something that hampers him going into the season
2: yeah no for sure um i i think we could we could start getting into oh did we talk about we didn't talk about james robinson james robinson <laughs> god you know was released down. by the <laughs> by the patriots um you know this is something that you know isn't a surprise to me um you know a lot of people thought that he might be uh, part of this backfield with Ramondre stevenson but you know this was just for depth purposes you know is it did they release him because they're bringing in DeAndre Hopkins I don't think I would put those two in those two together because like they didn't sign DeAndre Hopkins and uh pretty sure they released him before the visit so if the visit right. was going to go well and you're going to sign DeAndre Hopkins then that would be the point where you release James Robinson right yeah. um but maybe it seems it just to a be good faith. maybe it's just a good I, faith I, release <laughs> I think it was because of so Jeff Howe from the Athletic was reporting that it, it was because of injuries. That's why James Robinson got cut, um, mm. which which makes sense. Which makes yeah. sense. So yeah, so that's 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 really it on that.
0: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
2: Let's start with the Saints. Derek Carr coming over, you know, a little disgruntled late in his uh, career with the Raiders, but now he's a Saints quarterback. Um, You know, this offense has some weapons, right? Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, who knows if he's going to stay healthy. Rashid Rashid Shahid. Out of nowhere. um, (laughs) Out of nowhere. You know, he, he was doing well in OTAs, but now he's dealing with a groin injury. Okay, just keep that in mind. Uh, should be ready for training camp, but who knows? Soft tissue injuries can linger. Uh, you know, in that backfield, we got Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller. So how are you looking at this offense right now, man? Like, are you looking at this as a an offense that could take a little bit of a step forward? Like, you know, maybe Chris Olave taking a step forward. Michael Thomas, let's see if he's healthy. You know, Derek Carr, you know, does he help them out? Kendra Miller, a new addition as well. make Maybe a little bit of a more explosive backfield. Do you think this offense can take a little bit of a step forward from last year?
3: Absolutely. And it starts with the quarterback play. And I've never been one to say that Derek Carr is like some difference maker at the quarterback position. But, you know, we had many conversations about Derek Carr last season when he was sidecarring for Devontae Adams. But he is going to bring something that they haven't had for the past year or two, which is consistency. And if it's consistently average play, they're going to be better than they were the past two years on offense. Um, they have as many playmakers as they've had in a couple of years it starts with chris olave alvin kamara is a big question mark i don't know about him if he stays healthy that's fine and if he stays out of trouble you know we'll see how the suspension goes um with his legal situation they have it's suddenly a crowded backfield jamal williams kendra miller i know you're a big fan of kendra miller that kind of thing michael thomas if he stays healthy, healthy there's a lot of upside here that if certain things shake out the right way that this could be a really good offense and I argue if everything goes, you know, smoothly, if Michael Thomas stays healthy, Alvin Kamara pans out, doesn't have anything to do with his legal situation that keeps him off the field. I think the offense has top 12 upside in the league, you know, in terms of the amount of yardage that it puts up, maybe even scoring, something like that. It's not going to be a bad offense. So I look at that and I say, well, this is going to be great news for Chris Olave because Derek Carr is going to be the best quarterback he's played with so far in his career. And he put up a great stat line last season, 72, 10, 44, four touchdowns that leaves room for positive touchdown regression, 2.42 yards per route run, which is, you know, that mark that we like to see the two yards per route run. Um, That was fifth among all rookies, you know, I think in the PFF era, and it was first among all rookies last season. You know, if the PFF keeps track of that stat. So really good stuff, you know, from Chris Olave last season. No reason to think that he can't um, take another step this season. Michael Thomas and Rashid Shahid, I don't think that's enough competition I mean it, if they if things pan out correctly it could be some competition but I think that I don't see Michael Thomas being 100% healthy and looking like the Michael Thomas of old where he's going to be demanding all these targets and Rashid Shahid, I think he's more of a deep threat he's not going to be somebody that's targeted on a basis like Chris Olave is going to be Chris Olave is a wide receiver 12 on underdog that reflects those high expectations the fantasy community has for him I also have those expectations But I think it's right on point. You know, I think that's kind of par for the course in terms of what I was expecting to be paying for him, and I'm comfortable having that with the upside that he presents this season, assuming he takes a step forward.
2: Yeah, I think there's a a very good chance that Olave can finish this season as a wide receiver. One, you know, he was the he was the most efficient rookie wide receiver last year. You mentioned 2.4 yards per route run. That's just bonkers for a rookie wide receiver, especially considering how many routes that he ran last year with yeah. a, you know, subpar quarterback, right? And now he has Derek Carr. So I think Olave can establish himself and build on that rookie season. Um, you know, in home leagues, like you'll probably be able to get him in the third round, right? Like he's yeah. going the second on underdog and, and that's fine. That's expected. Uh, but I'm more than happy to bet on Olave this year. I think he's one of the best bets that you can make uh, for, you know, a wide receiver two making that jump into fantasy wide receiver one territory for sure. Right. Now, what about Michael Thomas? Like, you know, are we doing this again? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I just want to stay away. Like, I I the value, you know, is quote unquote good. Wide receiver 47, eighth round, you know, sure, that's fine. But like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just I'm just done <laughs> with Michael <laughs> Thomas at this point. Yeah, is, is Chris Olave or a buzz for me? You know, um the other pass catcher that I would potentially go after is Juwan Johnson. You know, he's a tight end mm-hmm. nineteen off the board. In the fourth round. Um, I'm sorry, fourteenth round. Sorry about that. Um, so that's 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 solid because like the all the ulti reports are basically stating that Juwan Johnson and Derek Carr have a really, really good um rapport right now. So yeah, that's what you want to hear. Um, you know, he he only has uh you know, who's Foster Murrow behind him? So I think, you know, this is a situation where Jawan Johnson, you know, he's definitely the most most athletic tight end, you know, in that tight end room. And if you're looking for a late-round tight end, he's definitely on that list of, like, you know, four to five guys that, you know, I would target, you know, in those teen rounds, right? Yeah, I think that makes Uh, total sense. Um, Yeah.
3: With Michael Thomas, you know, just going back to that, you don't want to deal with him. Would you rather have Rashid Shahid,
2: do you think? (laughs) No. Not really looking at it like that either, to be honest with you. like. You know, I think it's Chris Olave or Bust. I think Rashid Jahid can be good. He's going to have his games, big play guy. But I don't think he's going to mm-hmm. get any sort of volume. If Michael Thomas stays healthy, he's going to get, you know, uh, a decent amount of volume. If Michael Thomas stays healthy, I would bet that he's like a wide receiver too this year, right? Um, mm-hmm. But who knows if that's ha- that's going to happen. Like right now it's still up in the air, right, whether yeah. he's going to be healthy or not. So don't want to bet on him at all. And Rashid Jahid, you know, n- nice story. But is he going to be fantasy, like that fantasy relevant? Maybe in standard leagues, best ball makes sense, but in regular leagues where like, you know, is he a flex play? Eh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Now going to the backfield, like to me, there is zero reason to draft Jamal Williams. Right? Let's say right. Alvin Kamara gets suspended. Kejum Miller is the guy that you want, not Jamal Williams, right? Miller yep. and Williams, they're being drafted right next to each other. Miller is a better runner, he's a better pass catcher. And you know, Williams will probably be, you know, a breather back at best right and if kamara Mm. isn't suspended for too long williams might not even be fantasy relevant like i think kendra miller could surprise as being a lot more fantasy relevant this year than people think um now in the scenario where kamara is playing i still think he's the guy in the backfield but i think miller could and should compliment him on early downs right um Looking at Kamara's price, he's going off the board as the as the RB31 in the ninth round on Underdog, which is like, you know, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. Like, it, it should be earlier than that. Like, how big is that suspension going to be, right? Like, I, I would say, like, let's say it's six games, right? I mm-hmm. kind of feel like the price is still solid for what he can give you uh, in games he's not suspended for, right? So, right. you know, it's Kamara, it's Kendra Miller. You know, I understand. Like, I know a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, they paid Jamal Williams this and that." Like, it wasn't that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, then they drafted Kendrick Miller. So, yeah, in the third round. So, you know, I don't look at the situation like, "Oh, they paid Jamal Williams this this amount of money, so now they have to use him." I don't look at it like that at all. They're going to use the best players that they have.
3: Mm-hmm. So, you envision like, I mean, what is the role that you're envisioning for Jamal Williams? Because I, 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 I'm I don't, envision I don't think a role he's going to be him. like. I don't think he's to be taking over a backfield or anything, but I, I think he's gonna have like. It sounds like you're projecting twenty five carries where, on the season. Where does, <laughs> where does
2: Jamal? Where does Jamal Williams fit in in, in his role? I think early downs you have Kendra Miller and Alvin Kamara sharing that, and okay. passing downs that's all Alvin Kamara. And where does Jamal Williams fit? Goal line? I, I, are, are, I think he's he take... it taking
3: the goal line. I could totally see them doing that just because they added him. You know what I mean? I could
2: mean, see it, but Kendra Miller could do that. Yeah, um, Kamara could do that
3: from a fantasy perspective. Yes, we would love to see Kendra Miller do that. But no, no,
2: no, I'm not saying what I would love to love to see. I'm just saying oh, yeah. from a skill set perspective, like they all have that skill set. Exactly.
3: So why would they just throw Jamal Williams out? You know what I mean? That's that's how I'm looking at. it. I feel like he's going to vulture a couple touchdowns. I'm not yeah, saying sure. that he's somebody that. that we should be targeting or anything but he's going to have a small small role where it's probably going to be you know pulling Kamara's value maybe down a little bit. It's just going to just spread out the production over three running backs instead of two, which I we don't want from a fantasy perspective. See but.
2: and for me it's like the delta between Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams is high and the delta between Kendrick Miller and Jamal Williams I think can end up being pretty high as well. Mm-hmm. So right. I just I'm envisioning you know i would say like you know on a perk per game basis what is Jamal Williams averaging i would say like five touches a game if that maybe that that would be good best yeah it might be best case scenario for Jamal Williams while all three assuming all three backs are healthy now healthy or not suspended if if Kamara is suspended then i think you know he's gonna Jamal Williams will have a, a sizable role even then i don't think he's gonna be too fantasy relevant unless he is the clear goal line guy which I'm not even sure he will be
3: at this point. I I think he could get that if Kamara is suspended. I think that's what it all comes down to, just Kamara's status. And obviously, we don't know what that's going to be. But you're right. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a year-long suspension or anything like that. No. I mean, they're pushing it way off. I don't know why. I highly doubt it. But I I think that, yeah, it, it, it all just depends on Alvin Kamara's situation. And with Alvin Kamara, I think it kind of reminds me of Michael Thomas last year. Where we were just uncertain. I mean, obviously, obviously Michael Thomas was coming off injury. It wasn't a suspension looming, but we just don't know. I think Michael Thomas was going right in this range, eighth, ninth round. You know, we weren't sure what to expect, but we know who he is as a player. And he ended up not playing the next year. I don't think that's going to be the case for Kamara, but it's just all this uncertainty that I don't feel like dealing with. That's, I called Alvin Kamara. He's my avoid for the Saints because I just don't want to deal with that right now. You know, I'd rather pick somebody else, Kendra Miller. You know, even somebody else, M- Michael Thomas, I might take ahead of Alvin Kamara just because there's less headache. And I'm not saying that I'm taking Michael Thomas ahead of Alvin Kamara in terms of the draft, but if I had to pick one or two at their prices, you know, I might just like take the risk on Michael Thomas. I don't like the risk that Alvin Kamara has, and he's my avoid. I- I'm not a fan of him for this season.
2: Uh, yeah, I-, I don't, I don't really see that situation playing out as a headache because he, if he gets like you're drafting him at an eighth ninth round price so like you you're you're going in knowing like the the it's already baked into his adp so like you're assuming that he's just gonna sit on your bench until he's healthy i'm sorry until he's not suspended or while he's not suspended so let's say he's not suspended like where are you ranking him in your rankings on a week on a, on a weekly basis let's say week one he's not suspended where are you ranking him
3: the way that we saw him produce last season and i think that could potentially carry over you know it was actually some of the least efficient play that we've seen from him in a while uh 2.72 yards after contact per attempt the second lowest yards per attempt that he's had in his career um i'm not saying he's slowing down he's going to be 28 but i'm going to say he would probably max out at a high rb2 for me in my rankings
2: which is awesome for a ninth
3: round pick right and And that's that's, that's, yeah that's that's And what's his floor though his floor, depending on you know the way the low end that this RB two, uh, I think a high RB three would be where I'd put his floor, depending on where it goes. I just we're not sure exactly how this backfield is going to play out. I think that both of these backs, Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams, are going to have some sort of role, and it's just going to limit Kamara's touchdown upside. He might have higher PPR value, but I don't think that his upside. We're only we're only is is talking short.
2: PPR here. We're only talking right. PPR. We're not talking standard or anything like that. I think right. PPR would be the way we would rank it. So. Yeah, the the way I'm looking at this is like, while Kamara is healthy, I'm not saying he's going to be like an RB one or anything, but like while he's healthy, he's going to be an RB two. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep saying healthy. He's not. He's not. Yeah, hurt. When, when he's playing, um, the field. when he's yep. playing, like I think he's going to be an RB two, at the very least. So, because right. of that, I'm like I'm perfectly fine with him just like hanging around on my bench as somebody who can come in and you know grab five, you know six, seven balls out of the backfield on in any given week. Um, especially at that price. So I'm okay with it. I'm not he's not one of my targets, I would say, but I think yeah. I think he's he's a decent pick at that price. Now, in home leagues, he's not gonna be that late. I mean, under underdog he is. I mm-hmm. would I would assume that in home leagues, right now, if you're drafting today, you can probably get him in the sixth round, seventh round, maybe. You know, so, so that, that's, you like the that's value kind of with him
3: that he presents, potentially. Is that
2: what you're yeah. saying? Of course. Yeah. That's it. I mean, right. it's it, you, you see, look at the running backs who are being drafted around him. It's like all backups, you know. So,
3: well, two two players going just a couple spots ahead of him. And I hate to drag out the conversation, but James Connors, RB twenty seven and Dave Montgomery's RB twenty eight. I know I
2: like both of them. Of I think course you like both of them. Did, you know, yeah, if it came
3: down to it, if it came they're, down, to it,
2: they're in men, my rankings. To, yeah, they're in my rankings as like mid RB twos. You know, uh, both of them are. Camaro's yeah. not. It came,
3: yeah but, if it came down to it that's where i would be happier taking them even though they're a little bit more expensive you know a round or two ahead but i would go for that over alvin Kamara. but that that that's yeah. just me
2: connor's going off the board as the rb27 and montgomery's the 20 as 28 um and then like you the have <laughs> yeah and then zach charbonnet is going after Kamara 32 H Dillon 33 samajapian 34 Brian Robinson 35. So, among that group, like Alvin Kamara is like like the no brainer choice for me. All right. So, we're in different boats
3: in that range, but perfectly fine.
2: Yeah. Because if you look at the ADPs, like James Conner and David Montgomery, they're actually going in the eighth round, right? Mm -hmm. And Alvin Kamara is going in the ninth round, like a full round later. So, it's a little bit of a a different range. Like, is going uh, up. a half a pick before Charbonnet uh, about a pick and a half or two picks behi- uh, behind AJ Dillon so he's more in that range than the yep. James Conner David Montgomery range right. yeah. um, okay moving on to the Falcons Desmond Ritter he's the quarterback this year uh, this is I think a lot like more welcome than you would think because Marcus Mariota was absolutely terrible last year and yeah. You know, you obviously want guys like Kyle Pitts and Drake London to do their thing because we know how talented they are. Um, But they just drafted B. John Robinson. You know, they already had Tyler Algier. They have a good offensive line. We know the head coach wants to run the ball. But I would imagine that they throw the ball a little bit more this year. Drake London's going off the board as a wide receiver 23 uh, in the fourth round. I think with Ritter, this can go in a different direction for london um you know marcus Mariota sucked they averaged more pass attempts with ritter almost 29 attempts per game in his games played compared to 23 per game with Mariota. that's a sizable difference there right yeah now can this offense be good i think it can be man i think it can be good a good offense just overall now is the pass environment going to be you know amazing the, we know the run environment is going to be amazing, but we need that yeah. pass environment to be amazing. What I mean by that, you know, a lot of plays run, right? You know, the pace needs to be up there. We mm-hmm. want the we want them to be able to pass the ball, you know, more in neutral game scripts, right? Pass the ball more on early downs. We would love to see that. And then you have Cal yeah. Pitts. You know, if between the two guys, London and Pitts, like maybe I'd rather bet on London, but I will say that. Pitts has a legit bounce back, you know, he, he's, he's a legit bounce back candidate this year. He has ridiculous upside. Like, mm-hmm. everyone is so butthurt over last season, right? Yeah. They, like, I don't know what, what you see in Kyle Pitts. Like, the dude, like, the all the underlying metrics show that, like, Kyle Pitts can be that dude. Okay? So, mm-hmm. do not be surprised if Pitts has a big year. You know, he has top two upside at the position. Like, assuming that Kelsey's still the guy. Because if Kelsey's not the guy anymore, he has... Overall tight end one upside. Yeah. Right? He didn't play with Ritter. So we don't know what that connection will look like. But I will guarantee that it will look better than it did with Marcus Mariota. Less yeah. than 60% of Pitts' targets were catchable last year with Mariota. Do you understand how bad that is? Like that was the <laughs> lowest among qualifying tight ends last year. Uh Dwayne McFarland pointed out that the average for tight ends was 79%. And Pitts was at 59%. Okay, Right. so Pitts was dealing with terrible quarterback play last year. He got hurt before Desmond Ritter took over. So I wouldn't be surprised, man. Like, I have Pitts ranked, you know, as like my tight end 7, tight end 8. And, you know, I want to put him higher. I can't Mm -hmm. because I like these other guys as more dependable options. But you got to understand that Pitts' range of outcomes – is way higher. Like it, the range of outcomes, his higher end outcome is way higher than a couple of the guys that I have ranked ahead of him this year. Absolutely,
3: And I, I'm in agreement. I like Kyle Pitts. I like this whole offense actually. And you know, we talk about them being potential dark horse winners of the NFC South. This has like dark horse potential for very good fantasy offense written all over it. I mean, I look at the pieces like you said. They just drafted Bijan Robinson to go with Tyler Algier in the backfield. That's two fantastic running backs you know, especially by advanced metrics. Both of them are very good. Their offensive line is great. They have now two very good weapons in the receiving game. You talk about Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Like, I'm Desmond Ritter. This is a huge difference compared to what we had last season, you know. And this is a situation I'm going to be walking into as essentially still a rookie quarterback. If Desmond Ritter doesn't take a step forward, you know, I'd be genuinely surprised. I think that this is an offense that anybody can really succeed in. It's not the best offense in the league but it has every piece that you could ask for you know to have solid efficient production from the quarterback and if that's what we can get from Desmond Ritter that's only going to be good for guys like Kyle Pitts and Drake London I like Kyle Pitts I love Drake London I think that his like I said Desmond Ritter's development is going to be key to determining what kind of upside Drake London has but assuming he plays better I think Drake London could have a huge season, you know, 2.07 yards per route run. Going back to that stat again, he was second behind Chris Olave, who we just mentioned. And he was um, he received 114 targets last season on the heaviest run offense in the league. They ran the most run plays. And we know it's going to be the same kind of identity, you know, going into 2023 with Arthur Smith still at head coach. But you mentioned that that they threw the ball more at Desmond Ritter. That's only going to be better for Drake London things just keep getting better you know every every all signs are pointing up for him it was a six target difference per game you know for I think you said is that that's what six, it was for a, six,
2: six, six pass attempts per game of a difference between those two quarterbacks yeah
3: yes six pass attempts a game that's like a whole receiver you know like that's fine and obviously it's not going to be necessarily Drake London if he gets more targets than that per game which I expect you know that's not a whole receiver but you get six whole extra targets going out to different receivers in the game that's a big difference. I think that even takes another step forward because I think as long as Desmond Ritter can play efficiently, 30, 31, 32 targets, uh pass attempts a game. I keep saying targets, sorry, pass attempts a game is not out of the question. So I think it's difficult to envision a scenario where Ritter does anything but improve, or at least at the very least, maintain what he was doing last season. And if Drake London can do that last season with all the bad, you know, quarterback play that they had and just the uncertainty there, I think that he has weekly top 12 upside in his future. I think that's a pretty solid baseline for him on a weekly basis.
2: Yeah, he's going off the board as a wide receiver 23 uh in the 4th round. I I think that's solid. I think that ranking and where he's going off the board is is pretty good and that's I would say that's around his floor. You know, the, the low as a low end wide receiver too. So, right. you know, I'm hoping that this offense can take a little bit of a step forward and you know, Bijan Robinson, you know, he's going off the board as a RB3. I have him as my RB5 this year. Um, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I, I would totally, I can totally understand him finishing as an RB3. Uh, by the way, my rankings are on patreon.com slash Hand fantasy. You can check all of our super flex rankings, you know, positional rankings, dynasty, redraft, all of it's there and updated. So please go check that out. Um, but, you know, B. John Robinson, you know, is a first round pick this year. No doubt about it. Um, you know, if you can get him at the end of the first, you know, pair him with a, a, a solid receiver, you know, I think. That's a great uh, way to start a draft. Uh, You really can't go wrong with Bijan, right? And I totally understand that a lot of folks think that Tyler Algier is going to be, you know, taking away snaps from Bijan, taking away rushes. He's in a three-way timeshare, this and that. I'm like, dude, listen, Bijan was taken as a top 10 pick. He's going to be used in an every down bell cow capacity because he is just different. Okay. Algier is going to get eight to 10 carries a game. I can see it, but that's because I think just the size of the pie is going to be a lot bigger. And I think Bijan's still going to get that work. He's still going to be involved with the passing game. Um, so, because of all of those reasons, you know, Bijan's still going to be finishing as the top five. It's going to be hard for him not to, to be honest.
3: Yeah. They didn't make Bijan Robinson the first top 10 overall running back since 2018 to have him split carries, you know, 50 50 or 60 40 with Tyler Algier. So, that's the way I look at it. Nobody's sitting there in Atlanta saying, "Well, what about Tyler Algier?" No, it's it's B. John Robinson's show right now, and I like Tyler Algier. He had he did very well in his rookie season, you know, over a thousand yards rushing. But like you said, it's just not going to be split between those two. You look at um, Tyler Algier's skill set; it's in the run game. He was only targeted seventeen times in twenty twenty two, and that number is not going to go up. His upside is severely capped because B. John Robinson's there, and it's not any part of his. It's not any fault of his that this is the guy he's gonna be playing against now. This is how they drafted him. Um, I think that he's a premium handcuff, Alger is, if anything would happen to Bijan Robinson. And yeah. that's in his ADP, you know, RB48. We saw him have some very um good metrics, you know, in the in the efficiency department last season. He he was one of the highest yards after contact. And after actually, when he was rece- receiving the ball, he had one of the highest yards per reception, you know, in the league. Um, but I think that as long as B. John Robinson's on the field, you know, he's going to be just a handcuff. I don't even think he has really weekly upside value as a flex or anything like that. He's going to just kind of be off the radar until if something would happen to B.
1: John.
2: Let's move on to the Bucks. Bacon Mayfield is competing with Kyle Trask. I would assume that Bacon Mayfield can win that competition uh and be the starting quarterback uh as a veteran. Um, he's throwing to Mike Evans, he's throwing to Chris Gowan. Um, I, you know, it's funny, man. Like the, the situation seems gross, you know, on paper, yeah. but you know, as of right now, I think the entire Bucks Bucks offense is being a little undervalued. Right. I think Rashad White's undervalued. I think Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are undervalued. You know, Rashad White has Chase Edmonds behind him. That's it. You know, maybe Sean Tucker competes for early Mm -hmm. down work, but like guys, like Sean Tucker, you know, he was uh, undrafted. Yeah. He's, I don't know. He's not that good. Okay. Um, But I think Rashad White currently, as of right now, has like a lock on at least 70% of snaps. Like he's going to get peppered in the receiving game. That's his bread and butter. He's being drafted as a high-end running back three. But in reality, you have a solid PPR RB2 as his floor, you know, and you're being he's being drafted at a discount, right? Mm-hmm. You got Mike Evans, wide receiver 34, going off the board in the sixth round. Chris Godwin, wide receiver 28, going off the board in the fifth round. This might sound a little crazy, but do you remember? that no one wanted anything to do with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett last year, right? Because Geno Smith was going to be their quarterback. Well, this year, no one wants anything to do with Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. And I would argue that these two guys are values right now, right? Especially Godwin. Godwin has a wide receiver 28. Like I don't see a scenario where he finishes under that, right? That's his absolute floor for me. He's a year removed from the ACL injury. Right, these are the two best weapons Baker Mayfield has ever had. I think the versions of you know OBJ and Jarvis Landry that Baker Mayfield had in the past—they're not better. They were not better than the Chris Godwin and Mike Evans that he has right now.
0: And I I, I think I'm going to
2: try. I'm going to try and not be scared of this situation, you know, especially (laughs) given the price of these guys. And I might take a plunge uh, on the value here. Uh, with mm-hmm. Gowen as the wide receiver 28 and Evans as the wide receiver 34. But in particular, Chris Gowen for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially coming out of the slot.
3: You're doing way better being not scared than I am because I'm kind of on that same boat where I just don't feel like Baker Mayfield or any quarterback is going to have anything close to the type of, you know, bounce back that Geno Smith had last season. And nobody saw Geno Smith coming. So I guess we can't rule it out. But I just think that this quarterback room is horrific, and I don't really want any piece of these receivers unless they really seriously fall. I'm with you on Godwin. I understand that he had a, he's been a receiver that demands targets when he's on the field. Granted, that was with Tom Brady, who was throwing historically, you know, some of the most passes in on a per game basis, you know, in NFL history. He was throwing a ton last season and the year before. But Chris Godwin demands targets. Mike Evans, he was more of a hit home run hitter. He has hit that thousand yard threshold every season of his career, but I think this might be the season where he doesn't reach it. And he was kind of a spot contributor at best up until championship round last year. Mike Evans was when he put up that 40 bomb. That was great. And But Mike Evans, he, it just seems like his utility, he's not as quarterback friendly as a guy like Chris Godwin. You know, Mike Evans will go get that jump ball. Mike Evans will go do those trust passes, but I don't think any of these quarterbacks, in Tampa are going to be throwing those trespasses Mike Evans. It's going to be the quarterback-friendly guy in Chris Godwin. So I understand you there. I like that. I think you could get away with him at his price right now and be all right. But for me, I think the target's Rashad White. And I know you're big on him too. But when the offense is going to be bad, which I think it's going to be, it, the onus falls on volume for production in fantasy football. And that's exactly what Rashad White does and what he did last season. I mean, he was hyper-targeted. He was excellent, 56 targets, 50 receptions. Um, that was 13th most in the NFL. He's going to be getting peppered, like you said, in the receiving game, and he's going to get the run game too. He wasn't efficient in either of them. Um, he's 1.13 yards per route run, ranked 54th among qualifying running backs, 3.7 yards per attempt, tied for 98th. He's a straight bet on volume, but on offense it's going to be bad. You know, That's really all I'm looking for. I think that he is still undervalued. If this offense is any better than we're projecting it to be, then he's going to be a serious value. So he's my target. He's a low risk RB two in my book.
2: Yeah, yeah. The efficiency wasn't there last year, uh, but this is strictly a volume play. You yeah. know, um, I was surprised that the Bucks didn't add a more significant running back to that room. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, Imagine replacing
3: uh, Leonard Fournette with
2: like Zeke. That would be ugh, gross. They still, I they can still can't add somebody. But I could see it. That would be gross. I can see it. As of right now, Rashad White's the dude. All right, moving yeah. on. Um, and you know their their tight end is K. Otten. Do that with what you will. Uh, yeah. Panthers. <laughs> uh, Bryce Young, rookie quarterback, leading them. Uh, not a target of mine for fantasy. Right. He also doesn't have the weapons. Also, it's really tough to bet on a rookie quarterback being super fantasy relevant, especially if they're not rushing the ball a ton, uh, which we right. don't expect Bryce Young to do. He's a, he's a uh, pocket quarterback. Uh, but you have Miles Sanders as the RB19 going off the board at the 5-6 turn. He's backed up by Chuba Hubbard. Uh, there have been some rumblings about Hubbard potentially playing a goal line role there. And that would absolutely suck for Miles Sanders because you yeah. can't even say that he's touchdown dependent because he doesn't even have a goal line role. That's just speculation by beat reporters. That doesn't mean that that's going to happen, right? Miles Sanders can still get the goal line role. He was the goal line running back for the for the Eagles last year you know, when Jalen Hurts wasn't rushing the ball himself. So mm-hmm. there was still some hope for uh, for Miles Sanders. He's not a target of mine at RB19. I think there are a couple of running backs I'd rather have. A couple of running backs who are kind of more guaranteed some volume, especially in the receiving game. Who's going to take away yeah. work in the receiving game for Sanders? Who knows? Hubbard has played that role in the past. You know, he, uh, you know it's possible that Hubbard, they like him more as a pass catcher. You know, there ha- there has been a couple coaches calling Sanders a three-down back. But at the end of the day, it's like Miles Sanders has been super inefficient in the receiving game over the past few seasons. His rookie year, he was good, right? He he made some yep. big plays. When he was in college, he wasn't good in the receiving game. He wasn't efficient. So it's like you have that one outlier year. That's what it looks like to me. How are you mm-hmm. looking at Miles Sanders, man? Do you think Miles Sanders could – I will say that I think Sanders has uh, – I think his f- ceiling is like a high in RB2. So I think there is some room here potentially, but he also can finish – Below the RB nineteen, I think his floor is like low end RB two. Yeah, so he's I, being drafted like kind of in the middle.
3: Yeah, I, I think his ceiling is like a mid RB two, and I don't—I mean that in the least, like you know, put down way possible. It's, it's mid. He's not mid, but I think mid RB two is where he's going to finish. Not not finish. I think that's his upside because his receiving work, you know, his body of work in the receiving game is not very encouraging. I mean, you look at the PFF grades, and you know, you look at obviously PFF is PFF, PFF but We know Miles Sanders is not a very good receiving back since his rookie season. And the two guys in the backfield, Chuba Hubbard has a little bit of work there that he's done in the receiving game. It's been more promising, I think, the past couple of years than Miles Sanders. Uh, 35.5 is Miles Sanders' PFF grade last season. Um, Last season, Chuba Hubbard had 59.6. And Raheem Blackshear, another guy that they have in the backfield there, 71.4. So – these guys in the backfield, they have the opportunity to come in on that passing down role. They can either of them. come are these? That role. I
2: just want to. I just want to make it clear. Are these receiving grades?
3: Yes, receiving grades, receiving okay, grades cool. from PFF. Yes. So, obviously, either of these two guys, Truba Hubbard or Raheem Blackshear, can come in and just kind of snatch up that receiving role as a committee. You know, I don't think Miles Sanders is going to hold on to that. If he gets relegated to an early down role, you know that means he's going to be dependent on touchdowns for the upside. He might have 70, 80 yards rushing a game. But if he's only catching one or two passes or getting one or two targets and he's relying on touchdowns, this isn't the Eagles offense where they were scoring touchdowns on touchdowns on touchdowns. It's going to be a rookie quarterback offense that's probably not going to be very good. I think that he has real real chance to bust at RB19. I think that it's actually kind of ambiguous, this backfield. I think that Chuba Hubbard could have a role greater than just a receiving game. Um, I'm not really counting Raheem Blackshear as anything um, besides the passing down work, but if Truba Hubbard gets more work than we anticipate, then I think there's too much ambiguity here to justify an RB19 price. I could see his floor kind of falling in the high RB3 range if things go poorly and the split is more than we are than um it should be. But I don't like him at his price. He's my avoid just because of that. There are other guys. JK Dobbins is six pick, six picks earlier than him, at least when I looked at it yesterday on the prices on underdog. And DeAndre Swift is going right in that range, too. Two guys, I think, have higher upside than Sanders, and it's not by a little. It's a lot.
2: Yeah, I I do think Sanders, you know, his upper range of outcomes is a little higher. I think it's, you know, close to that, you know, high in RB2 because I think there is a world where Sanders could be a three-down back in this offense. And, you know, based on what they signed him in terms of his contract, in terms of what a couple of coaches have been saying. So I think there is a world where that happens. Is it the right decision is a different question, right? right? Because it could be a volume game with Sanders. Like, okay, he's on the field on third downs. Okay. He's running a lot more routes than he, we thought he would on early downs because, you know, the competition isn't that much, to be honest with you, with Miles Sanders. Um right. So, you know, in that backfield. Now, this, this – You know they made a lot of questionable decisions, though, right? They gave Adam Thielen a ridiculous contract, right? He's (laughs) he's going to be thirty-four years old, you know, in August. So that doesn't—I'm sorry, thirty-three years old in August—that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and you know, so you know, they also gave Miles Sanders a contract. So like, I I don't want to weigh that contract too much because they also gave Adam Thielen a ridiculous contract. So Mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see. Um, Moving on to this wide receiver core um, or lack of it, Adam Thielen. Jonathan Mingo, DJ Shark, Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall going off the board in the 18th round or not going off the board at all, being undrafted. Wide receiver 90 off the board. Um, I think he makes a very solid um, last-round pick in best ball um, or in any drafts, assuming that you have 18 rounds in your draft if you're like in a 14-team league or something like that. And the reason why is because right now he's showing some rapport with Bryce young in OTAs Um, you know, he was a good college receiver, you know, never really had a fair shake in the NFL, but the chances that you're, you've been in the league for a couple of years and you haven't really shown out um, by now usually means that you're not, it's not going to happen. And I think if you're betting on Marshall, you're betting on him to be a little bit of an outlier. Right. But I think it's still a solid pick as one of your last picks uh, in, in best ball on underdog, for example. Um, and by the way, a if nice you're not playing throw. on underdog, what's that?
3: He's a nice dart throw. Sorry to interrupt. I think
2: so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but yeah, so so I, I would play on underdog. If you're not playing on underdog right now, they just dropped the season-long pick'ems, right? So basically, it's season-long props pretty much yeah right so you know there are so many players on here right so if you have a good idea of like who's going to do well who's not going to do well this year you know all those lines are up there yardage touchdowns over under you just got to pick whether it's higher a certain number or lower a certain number you can stack those picks together and you can multiply those picks okay um there's specials all the time going on so you can actually stack up like a special that they have going on with one of these picks so you can take jonathan taylor over under a certain rushing number you know whatever you think uh would be good and then you can stack those picks if you stack three of them and you get them right by the end of the season you six extra money you know if you uh if you stack five of them and you get all five of them right you're gonna 20 extra money okay you put in a 100 bucks you're going to walk away with $2000 at the end of the year and you can st- you can do a bunch of stacks, right? You can throw in a whole bunch of them right for the season and you know root for those players during the year, right? Or do the opposite for players you're picking the lower on, right? right? Um so so go check that out uh underdogfantasy.com use code upperhand uh to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. All right. Uh the links will also be in in the podcast episode description so you can check that out there. Um but going back to this wide receiver core Adam Thielen was a wide receiver 64 off the board in the 12th round. Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver 59, uh in the at the 11 12 turn, and DJ Shark in the 13th round. So these all of these guys are going after, you know, basically in the teen rounds pretty much, but after the 10th yeah. round. So um, if you had to pick one at their value, who are you going with?
3: Adam Thielen. And this is just me saying that this is the most experienced receiver in this wide receiver room. He was hyper productive. On the Vikings offense, he had 30 touchdowns past three seasons, you know, in Minnesota. I think he finds himself now in Carolina. He's easily going to be the most experienced pass catcher. And that's good news for Bryce Young, somebody that he can just, you know, work with, build rapport with. I know you said Terrace Marshall's there, but I, I think and they were building rapport. But I think that the veteran savvy of Adam Thielen shouldn't be discounted this much, especially going after a guy like Jonathan Mingo. He's obviously there's a lot to be excited about with him and intrigued about especially with Bryce young at quarterback. I don't think we should just write off these receivers this low, you know, just because Bryce young is a rookie we're not expecting the offense to be very good. This is a band of brothers, you know, kind of weapons core that they've built around Bryce young. And I I think that it can be better than a lot of people are expecting, even though I don't expect them to be, you know, in the top half of the league in offense, I don't think they're going to be in the bottom 12 either. You know, I think it's just going to be like mid to low end off offense overall. Um, but Bryce Young's going to need somebody in the passing game to depend on early, especially while guys like Jonathan Mingo you know, get up to speed, NFL speed, they get acclimated to that climate. As a wide receiver 64, an underdog, I don't think there's any risk and that the upside can pay off humongously. So I like Adam Thielen. Even though he's old and it does seem odd that they sign a three-year contract when he's this old, I think they realize in Carolina that they need somebody that Bryce Young can kind of grow and develop with. Adam Thielen's a perfect guy to do that. Um, They weren't going to be able to sign a bunch of players, you know, in this offseason and really build a nice weapons system around Bryce Young since they traded pretty much the farm to get Bryce Young. So I, I think that Adam Thielen is the best receiver here on the offense right now. At the end of the season, he might be second or third best. But as things stand right now, you know, I think he's going to have a nice start to the season at the very least because these other guys are going to be getting up to speed and Bryce Young's going to be able to rely on his veteran savvy.
2: Yeah, I, I can see it. I just don't like betting on thirty-three-year-old wide receivers, you know, at That's all. Fine. You know, Completely even at understand. any, yep. even at any price. Um, you know, he's been you know a little bit banged up. You know, he hasn't been the epitome of health lately, and that makes sense, right, given his age. And I, really, I yep. again, I said it probably like fourteen times on this podcast already since he signed. But I don't understand his contract at all. Um, <laughs> but he's I the wide either. receiver sixty-four. Jonathan Mingo is a wide receiver fifty-nine. I like Jonathan Mingo at the price. Uh, I like Marshall as a dart throw at the end, but if I'm picking between Thielen, Mingo, and Shark, I'm going to go Mingo. I think that he's going to be their starting slot wide receiver. I hope they don't play him on the outside. I don't envision him playing on the outside. Um, I hope it doesn't happen. He did play on the outside at Ole Miss, so it's possible that they do. But I think he profiles as a slot wide receiver. If that happens, I think that he's going to end up being Bryce Young's safety blanket. He was every quarterback safety blanket at the Senior Bowl when I was there Um, and I think Mingo could potentially be a a possession type slot receiver, you know, for Bryce Young early in his career. Um, I I just, that's who I'm going with. If I had to pick out any of these guys, I am not necessarily going out of my way to target any of them. I don't think the offense is going to be good, but in a PPR format, I think Mingo would be a decent bet at the 11, 12 turn, but otherwise I'm just avoiding the entire thing. Maybe taking a, a dart throw at Terrace Marshall out of, you know, a hundred dart throws at the end of drafts, I would say Marshall might be 10 of them.
3: Yeah. Maybe 10%. That makes sense. I mean, you're shooting the moon with any of these guys, but you know, at the the price that they're going, I mean, you're not really going to be hurt. You're not drafting these guys to be your wide receiver too. So I I don't think you can really go wrong with any of them. My preference. You know, I think I'm kind of, you know, deviating from the upside faction here a little bit going with Adam Thielen. I think that his floor is nice enough that, you know, he'll be secure for you if you're targeting wide receiver late. But I completely understand taking the upside with Mingo.
2: Yeah, and I also understand, you know, the fact that, like, this this experience, this wide receiver core is pretty inexperienced, right? And, and Thielen yeah. is the guy that can hold things down for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, um, that's
3: why I envision, like, a good, solid – I think he could have a solid start to the season where, you know, he's contributing at, on a, at a higher rate, you know, to the offense. Maybe towards the end of the season, like I said, he might not be the top receiver on the offense.
2: I've seen a little bit of uh, like a, like a, a small, like mini caboose, maybe not a hype train, but like a mini caboose for Hayden Hurst, uh, yeah. potentially finally breaking out at some point. I, 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 he's not on my radar. I don't know if he's on no. yours at all. Okay. Not, not really. Gotcha. I mean,
3: last year, I think we saw the best of him in Cincinnati last year. <laughs> you know? right. Very strong. I don't think at this point in his career is an upgrade or anything close to Joe Burr. So I, I think, Maybe if this were three years down the line, Bryce Young is, not you know, some really good QB, then yeah. yes, maybe. But he's a rookie. So I don't see Hayden Hurst, a guy who historically hasn't been much of a good starting tight end, you know, suddenly contributing now on an offense like that's built like the Panthers is for 2023. I just don't see it. But, exactly, you know, take your swings if you want. He's, he's there. You can take him off the waiver wire if you want. I don't think he's really being drafted, I don't think. But.
2: All right. Well, we got through it. We got through the worst division in football. We're going to be talking uh, NFC. I'm sorry. We're going to talk. We're going to talk AFC, AFC North, yep. South, AFC South. <laughs> <laughs> get your shit together for us. We're going to talk AFC South uh, tomorrow. So that that'll be out on Friday. Uh, stay tuned for that. And until then, we, we got some cool stuff planned for next week. Um, and uh, you know, you're not going to want to miss that because it's now it's time to really get into the into the weeds and you know to see who we're we're targeting what this draft strategy looks like for this season um and we're gonna get get after that stuff so that's really where it all begins so make sure you tune into that until then if you guys can subscribe to the podcast that would mean the world to us rate and review it as well uh on whatever platform you use It only takes a couple seconds we would highly highly appreciate it thank you so much guys we'll talk to you soon see ya